Episode 21, Where is our Moses? Last week, we're on break, honoring and commemorating unleavened bread. Our goal was to get the leaven out spiritually and only eating unleavened bread and, and no food with leaven, which basically is fruits and vegetables. Lessons learned from seven days of unleavened bread is one, it takes discipline to keep the leaven out of our lives, spiritually and naturally. No TV, no social media, no pizza, no bread with yeast, no kolaches. You have to have discipline to pray, to read your Bible, to fast, to cut out all of the noise. Also, discipline to eat healthy, to eat the unleavened bread. Two, unleavened bread doesn't always taste good because it's pure. There are no additives in it. And spiritually, we have to hear what Yah is saying to us. No theatrics, no performances, no orators, no people telling us their opinion, but hearing directly from the Most High as to what He is saying through His Word and what He's saying to us one-on-one personally. When we're spending time with Yah, He will tell us things like, hey, your attitude stinks. Your ways are not honest. You need to repent for this and for that. You need to ask for forgiveness and you need to forgive. These are the conversations we have with our father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when we're spending one-on-one time with him, not having someone in between us telling us what he is saying, but hearing directly from him because he's going to teach us through his word and he's going to tell us about ourselves, how we can change and how we need to change. Naturally, eating unleavened bread was a little difficult because it's pure. There's no additives in it. There's no yeast. There's no fluffiness. You know, you're you're craving the biscuits with the, the butter and the apple jelly or the grape jelly, but it's just pure unleavened bread. Nothing added, just the actual pure flour with some almond milk, a little bit of salt and some vegan butter. And that's it. No, no extra. Unleavened bread. No falsities of religion. No man-made ideas of what we should be doing, but hearing directly from Y'all. So even though it was impossible to get the leaven out the house, especially in the middle of a pandemic, our goal was to honor y'all through commemorating unleavened bread by first eating the unleavened bread and second, spiritually getting all the leaven out and making sure that no TV was on, making sure that our hearts were just really attentive to hear what y'all is trying to tell us, especially with what's going on in our, in our society with the pandemic. We need to hear from him. We need to hear directly from him. And when you make the time and you make the atmosphere for you to communicate with Yah, he will speak back to you. And that's what we did last week. And so whoever was able to commemorate those seven days right after Passover of unleavened bread, God bless you for doing that. God will honor your first time. And as we continue to honor our heritage, which is Passover unleavened bread, we'll get better each year. We'll learn more things. We'll better prepare ourselves for the convocations that we're to follow throughout the year. Now, where is our Moses? Jasher 68 and 1. Miriam, the daughter of Amram, sister of Aaron, prophesied about the house. She said, Behold, a son will be born unto us for my father and my mother, and he shall save Israel from the hands of Mishterim or the Egyptians. Aram had sent his wife away. During this time, there was an onslaught of genocide for the Hebrew boys, or actually Hebrew male babies. Prophecy was going forth that there would be another son from the Israelites that will come and deliver Yah's chosen people from the hand of the Egyptians. 
They were ensuring that if they heard a son was being born, Pharaoh would send his priest or his, his men to come to the house and take that baby and kill that son. So Miriam is prophesying. Yah is speaking to her and she tells her father, this is what Yah says. A son will come forth from my mother and will come forth from my father to deliver our people from this place. So immediately, Abram was like, okay, I need to go get my wife. Abram had sent his wife away. He sent her away because he did not want to have any more children because they could be killed by Pharaoh and his men. Pharaoh was literally taking the baby boys of Israel and throwing them into the water, killing them on the spot. For three years, Miriam's mother was not there at their house because her father Amram had sent her away. But after the prophecy that came forth from Miriam, Abram went and got his wife. He brought her back and they conceived and had a son. After seven months, she birthed a son. Yes, yeah, seven months. Jasher says it took for her to birth this baby. They're telling us now it's nine or 10 months, but anyway, then it was seven months. And the whole house was filled with great light as the light of the sun and the moon was shining in, in their home because they had this baby that was prophesied. Yokovit was Miriam's mother's name. So she hid her child for three months in her inner room inside the house. Sounds like a safe house that we should probably have now to keep and protect our children, protect our people. Egypt or the Mishterims were plotting to destroy all the Israelite boys. They were plotting to make sure that no boy would live past a certain age and they would make sure they would kill him as a baby. And it makes you wonder, who are they plotting against now? Nobody's trying to kill the Europeans, Japheth's people, but no one is after them. But who are they plotting now to kill? The Israelite women would give birth to their sons and would have to hide them from the Egyptians, had to make inner rooms in their, in their homes to cover and protect their baby boys. But we send our kids out to war, to college, not prepared, ill-informed, and expect them to make great decisions in a land that's not ours. It makes you think about what they were doing then, maybe we should be doing now as well. When the Egyptian women would come and walk through, I think they were doing it on purpose. They would walk through the Israelites' homes, the Hebrew homes, just walk by and pass by. And if they heard a child crying, they immediately would go back to Pharaoh and say, hey, we heard a child cry at this particular home. And then Pharaoh would send his, his army, his men out, and they would go to that house. They would search that house. If they find a baby boy, they would take that child take that son and throw that baby in the river. And they did this. They said, Jasher 6, 8, and 11 said, they did this to the Israelites all their days. Can you imagine living in such fear and torment that you cannot even have a child in peace? And if you had a child, you have to make sure they did not cry. And, and if they heard that child crying, they would come and take your child and kill your child. How evil can a people be? This was literally their form of abortion because they were killing baby boys. They wanted to kill all the Hebrew sons as if they could stop the plan of the Most High. And that's what they're doing now. They think they can stop the plan of the Most High, but they cannot. Word on the Egyptian streets were, there's another baby that was born and it's Yogovit. She had a son. He's three months old and Pharaoh needs to get out there with his officers and get that baby from Yogovit. Yogovit was, oh my goodness, what do I do? And so this is the story prior to Yokovic putting her child in the river and having Miriam, his sister, watch over that baby. She hid her baby in the river. And so when the officers came to the house, there was no baby, but she had her baby out in the river. She made a little ark for the baby. Miriam was there watching her brother, making sure he was okay every single day. And this is what they did to make sure that her baby, her son's life was protected. And so y'all sent a terrible 
heat storm to Egypt and it burned their flesh, it oppressed them. They were bathing in the river and that's why Pharaoh's daughter was out bathing in the river because it was so hot because Yah had sent, sent this heat to oppress them for how they were treating his people. And so when Pharaoh's daughter was out there bathing in the river, trying to get relief from the heat, that's when she saw this ark or this contraption in the river. And she had told her maiden said, Hey, go get that. What is that? And when they got it out the water and gave it to her, she opened it and there was a baby boy. And she was just mesmerized by this baby. And Joshua 68 and 17, And Batia, the daughter of Pharaoh, went also to bathe in the river owing to the consuming heat and her maidens walked at the riverside and all the women of Mishram as well. And Bathia lifted up her eyes to the river and saw the ark upon the water and sent her maid to fetch it. And she opened it and saw this child and behold, the baby wept. She had compassion on him and said, this is one of those Hebrew children. And all the women of Mishram walked on the riverside, desired to give him suck. Can you imagine all these Egyptian women out here trying to, you know, you know, make this baby suck their breasts as if that baby would latch onto them? Just kind of disgusting. But anyway, Yah made sure each time that one of the Egyptians tried to give that baby suck, he did not take. He was like, nope, I don't want this. Miriam is there. And so that's when Pharaoh's daughter's asking questions like, hey, listen, can you help? Do you know anyone that could help us feed this baby? And of course, Miriam was like, yes, I do. I can bring you someone right away to feed this baby. Pharaoh's daughter said, Yokovich, take this child and suckle for me. And I will pay you your wages, two bits of silver daily, which is possibly about 25 cents. Miriam goes and gets her mom and Yokovich is now being paid to nurse her own child. The wisdom of the Most High is, is unmatched. Yokovich was able to nurse her child for about two years. That's a long time to be able to breastfeed her child and give him the nutrients. Not only that, but to also teach him the ways of the Hebrew, teaching the ways of the Israelites, because they were Levites. Aaron was a Levite. Aaron were Levites. They were from the tribe of Levi. They were special group of the Israelites because they had a special job to do, was to take care of the tabernacle, to make sure it was prepared, to make sure that they would present themselves in pureness and holiness with no leaven before the Most High. And this is how y'all can make your enemies your footstool, you know? Not only is Djokovic nursing her child and teaching him the ways of the Hebrew, but her enemy is paying for her to do it. At the end of the two years, Djokovic brought her son, unfortunately, back to Pharaoh's daughter. Imagine the agony and the anguish of it all. But Djokovic trusted Yah and his promises more than herself. Her daughter Miriam prophesied that this child would deliver the Hebrews. Yokovic gives her baby to the Pharaoh's daughter. And as she gives her baby to the Pharaoh's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter names the baby Moses because she drew him out of the water. That was not his Hebrew name. In fact, Jasher says that Aram, his father, named him Shabar since he had turned his woman away. Yokovic, his mother, called him Yakush to yell because I have hope for him to Yah. And Yah restored him back to me. And Yokovic was happy for those two years with her son. Miriam, his sister, called him Yerit, for she watched after him at the river to know what his end would be. Imagine a job to sit there in the heat, the scorching heat, to watch your brother. She's an unsung hero. Thank you, Miriam. She watched her little brother and also prophesied that her brother would come. She was bold enough to tell her father and tell her brother what Yah had told her. That allowed her, her father to go and get her mother and bring her back, and they were able to conceive and have this special baby. Aram, his brother, called him Aviv Yanuk saying, my father left my mother and returned to her on his account. 
Aram sent her away because he didn't want to have any more children that could possibly be killed by this Pharaoh. Imagine his pain and agony sending his wife away, not be able to see her, to know her, or to love her for three whole years. Then Kohat, the father of Aram, this is Moses' grandfather, called him a big door because of his account did Yah repair the breach of the house of Jacob and they could no longer throw their male children into the water. This is what his grandfather Kohat called him. His nurse called him Aviv Soku, saying his tabernacle was hidden for three months on account of the children of Ham, the Egyptians. The Israelites themselves had a name for Moses as well. They called him Shema Yahu. For they said, in his days, Yah heard their cries and rescued them from their oppressors. This is what they named him. The name Moses was from the Egyptians, but his father called him Shabar. His mother called him Yechukteriel. His sister, Yeret. His brother called him Aviv Zanuk. His grandfather called him Abdor. His nurse called him Aviv Sukhoi. And the Israelites called him Shema Yahu. These are his Israelite names, Hebrew names from his people. And even though Moses was now in Pharaoh's house, grown among the king's children, he knew his names, his Hebrew names, and that was instilled in him, and he never forgot that. As Moses is growing up, the Israelites are being enslaved and grossly abused. The people of Esau have combined with Japhet and Kittim, which is Rome. We learned about Japhet's people episodes ago. And of course, Esau is the twin brother of Jacob. Jacob had the 12 tribes of Israel. So as we've studied the tribes of Israel, or actually studied Jacob and studied Ham, Shem, and Japhet. When we got to Jacob, there was a nation created alongside the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel, which was Esau. And Esau merges with Japhet in Kittim, in Chittim, which is Rome, Japhet's people. And you have Pharaoh, the Egyptians, which are the children of Ham, enslaving the Israelites, which are the children of Shem. So there you have the three nations, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. As history shows us, Ham, the Africans, did not like the Israelites. They were jealous of us from the start. Jasher 69, four through nine. And when Pharaoh, king of Egypt, or Mishterim, saw the council, which Bilam, remember Bilam is this advisor or magician or sorcerer that could read the future and things of that nature, had advised respecting the children of Israel did not succeed, but that still they were fruitful, multiplied, and increased throughout the land of Egypt or Mishterim. Pharaoh commanded in those days that a proclamation should be issued throughout Egypt to the children of Israel, saying, No man shall diminish anything of his daily labor, and the man who shall be found deficient in his labor, which he performs daily, whether in mortar or in brick, then his youngest son shall be put in their place. And the labor of Egypt or Mishterim strengthened upon the children of Israel in those days. And behold, if one brick was deficient in any man's daily labor, the Mishterim took his youngest boy by force from his mother and put him into the building in the place of the brick, which his father had left wanting. And the men of Mishterim or Egypt did so to all the children of Israel day by day all the days for a long period. The Egyptians, the children of Ham, hated us from the start. That's why all black history is not our history. It cannot be when you see and understand what they did to us. The people of Ham enslaved us, placed our young boys in a building 
if a brick was not laid properly or not finished completely, they put a child as a brick in a building. That is sick and demented. But check this out. But the tribe of Levi did not at that time work with Israel, their brethren. From the beginning, the children of Levites knew the cunning of the Mishterims, knew the cunning of the Egyptians, would do this and exercise this against Israel. Levites, they made sure they had no part of what was happening with this enslavement. And remember, the tribe of Levi was Moses' people. That's where he came from. His father, Aaron, all of them were Levites. Moses is now in Pharaoh's house and his family is protected from this bondage. The Levites knew that the Egyptians were liars. They knew that they could not be trusted. They knew that they would trap these Israelites and get them into this place where they could not get out of. And from the jump, the Levites said, no, no, thank you. We will not do any work with the Egyptians. And that's how Israel got into this bondage because they decided to do some work with the Egyptians. And lo and behold, when they were sleeping on the job and not paying attention, the Egyptians took over them and they could not get from under that oppression. Moses has now been with Pharaoh for a year. He has turned three years old. Pharaoh's having a big banquet. All his princes are there and Moses is there and he's being a kid. He decides to go up to Pharaoh and take off his crown and he put the crown on his own head. Pharaoh was astonished. He's like, oh my goodness, what do we do? This, this boy, he just took my crown off his off my head and put it on his head. And so of course, Pharaoh goes to Balaam, the sorcerer, the magician, and asks him, says, hey, what do we do to this boy? What should we do? Balaam said, remember the dream, Pharaoh. There was a child from the Hebrew children with the holy Ruach in him, for he's a Hebrew boy and wisdom and understanding is with him. Although he's a child with wisdom, he has done this and has chosen himself to be king. Pharaoh is now upset. He's thinking Moses is going to be the next king. He's going to take my position. Bilaam is talking to Pharaoh. He's all in his ear. He said, listen, remember Abraham? Abraham took over the kingdom of Canaan and how he deceived Nimrod and Avlamech. He says, remember Isaac, how they prevailed over the Philistines and Jacob took the birthright from his brother he even talked about Jacob going to Laban's house and Jacob's son sold Joseph and how he was in prison for 12 years, but could interpret dreams. And from him being able to interpret dreams, he was promoted as prince, a prince over all the other princes in Egypt. Balaam is giving Pharaoh the history of the Israelites. You see, everyone knows who we are except us. Joshua 70 and 18. Now, therefore, my Lord King, behold, this child has risen up in their stead in Egypt to do according to their deeds and to trifle with every king, prince, and judge. If it please the king, let us now spill his blood upon the ground. At least it grow up and take away the government from your hand and the hope of Mishterim perish after he shall have reigned. And Balaam said to the king, let us moreover call for all the judges of Mishterim or Egypt and the wise men thereof. And let us know if the judgment of death is due to this boy, as you did say, and then we will slay him. And Pharaoh sent and called for all the wise men of Mishterim, and they came before the king. And an angel of Yah came amongst them, and he was like one of the wise men of Mishterim or Egypt. And the king said to the wise men, Surely you have heard what this Hebe boy who is in the house has done, and thus has Balaam judged in the matter. Now judge you also and see what is due this boy for the act he has committed. And the angel, who seemed like one of the wise men of Pharaoh, answered and said as follows, before all the wise men of Mishterim and before the king and the princes, 
If it please the king, let the king send for men who shall bring before him an onyx stone and a coal of fire and place them before the child. If the child shall stretch forth his hand and take the onyx stone, then shall we know that with wisdom has this youth done this and we must slay him. But if he stretches forth his hand upon the coal, then shall we know that it was not with knowledge that he did this thing and he shall live. And this thing seemed good in the eyes of the king and the princess. So the king did according to the word of the angel of Yah. And the king ordered the onyx stone and coal to be brought and placed before Moses. And they placed the boy before them. And the lad endeavored to stretch forth his hand to the onyx stone. But the angel of Yah took his hand and placed it upon the coal. And the coal became extinguished in his hand. And he lifted it up and put it into his mouth and burned part of his lips and part of his tongue. And he became very heavy and mouth and tongue. And when the king and princess saw this, they knew that Moses had not acted with wisdom and taken off the crown of the king. So the king and princess refrained from slaying the child. So Moses remained in Pharaoh's house, growing up as Yah was with him. And while the boy was in the king's house, he was robed in purple and grew amongst the children of the king. And when Moses grew up in the king's house, Batia, the daughter of Pharaoh, considered him as a son, and all the household of Pharaoh honored him, and all the men of Mishterim were afraid of him. If you're afraid of a three-year-old boy, a baby, something is wrong with you. Or was it the fact that they saw an imprint on Moses that was indescribable, that they saw an imprint of Yah on him, which made them afraid of him, intimidated them? Maybe they were really afraid of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Balaam knew them. He called them all by name. He, he knew their record, what they had done, who they were. It's an irrefutable fact that the fallen angels had a problem with Yah. Nimrod had a problem with Yah. And we know Nimrod went to war with Japheth destroyed them and took their children and used them as servants. Nimrod had the entire nation of Ham with him, which was Put, Egypt, Cush, and Canaan. After Yah destroyed the Tower of Babel, he dispersed the people to different parts of the world. This is the foundation of these Egyptians coming from Nimrod and what they were doing at that tower, trying to overtake the throne of the Most High. This helps us understand their wickedness and their hatred towards Yah. So if we're the chosen people of Yah and they hate Yah so much, then they will hate us as well. A three-year-old boy looking to kill him, afraid of him, that he might be the next king because he had the holy Barak inside of him. And they're still afraid of us today because we're stamped with Yah's imprint. They know it, but we don't. After all that's been said and done to the Israelites then and what's happening to us now, they see Yah in us. They see how much y'all loves us, but sadly we can't see it. We have been engulfed in this symbolic Egypt with the ways of this world, with the way they do church, the religion, education, jobs. And we're so consumed with everything that's about Egypt, we fail to understand who we really are, where we come from, and what's required of us, which is why Truth Wars is here to help us get back on track. Judah, Benjamin, Reuben, Simeon, Issachar, Zebulon, Joseph, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. These all 11 tribes were part of the enslavement done by the Egyptians to the Israelites. Only one tribe was not a part of it, and that was the Levites. They had chose from the beginning not to have any dealings with the Egyptians. Where is our no to this world we're living in? Where is our resolve? Where is our Moses? 
obviously we don't know or can't comprehend the power and the wisdom of the Most High. As Yah was able to save Moses as a three-year-old baby, send an angel down to be in the midst of the wise men of Egypt to guide this baby, to make sure that he made the right choice so he would not be killed on the spot. That's how much Yah cares and loves us, that he would send an angel down to make sure that Moses is protected. If he did it then, he'll do it now. He sent his son Yeshua to die on a tree for us. Surely he will send, he can send an angel to help us. But we must get into his will and obey his way. So Moses was protected. This story is not told to us because these books were left out of the Bible. That they tried to kill Moses at the age of three because he took the crown off of Pharaoh's head and put it on his head. But it was symbolic because he was going to be the king of the Israelites. He would be their leader to lead them out of Egypt, out of bondage of 430 years of their children being used as bricks to follow their women, walking by to hear a baby cry just to go in and take that child and throw that child into the river. The Israelites, this is our people. We are the descendants of Moses. He is our family member. He's one of our ancestors. We are descendants of Judah. We're part of the 12 tribes of Israel. Where is our Moses? If Yah protected Moses, then he will protect our Moses now. That Moses can come forth as a man. It could be a woman. It could be a child. Just come forth. Come forth and lead us out of this place. That we can be free in our minds, free in our hearts. And we have a perspective to know that if Yah is for us, who can be against us? Where is our Moses? Will you be the next Moses? As we seek truth, seek truth with us. Please send questions or comments to info at truthwars.com or comment here. We don't claim to know everything, but we seek and serve the God who knows everything. So let truth war, let truth reign, let truth speak, and let truth set you free. Who Yeshua sets free is free indeed.